just remember that when you show up, when you show up, and that means for everything you do, come early, be prepared, and come with your heart. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 673. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. I just want to warn you, my listener today, that in the pre-chat alone with our fabulous guest, by the way, Mitchell Levy, I have already had a number of brain farts. So I want you to be prepared. I guarantee I will have brain farts, bloopers, and we will have a lot of fun in this episode. But Mitchell is a global credibility expert. I just did nothing to help my credibility talking about brain farts today, Mitchell. <laughs> I, well, I think it, that's part of the authenticity, which is all you. Oh, yeah. And listeners, I showed Mitchell my gigantic coffee mug that my son gave me a few months ago. And I think there must have been a hole at the bottom of it this morning because I don't feel like I've I've mastered the full effects of my caffeine today. But Mitchell, I'm so happy to have you here and I can't wait to see where this conversation goes. Uh, it's it's great to be here. It'll, I think uh, one of the TED Talks I did when you said, when I said in the green room, how do I make this an interesting conversation? You said, well, show vulnerability, integrity, authenticity. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, I did a TED Talk where I just talk just about that. So mm. that's normal for me. So yeah, let's have fun. Where do you see, and I wasn't planning on going here first, but I never know where I'm going to go. Where do you see credibility intertwining with transparency and authenticity and integrity? Oh, that's a beautiful question. The, hey, you set me up good. <laughs> oh, well, no, but it, you know, it's still one of those things I'm thinking about as, as, we're, as we're walking through in the world. What does that mean? It's so interesting. There isn't really, you can look at the dictionary for the definition of credibility. And largely what it says is to demonstrate trustworthiness. Okay, well, what's trust? Trust is what you mentioned. And to me, I define trust as integrity, authenticity, and vulnerability. So what is credibility? It means before somebody talks to you, they have a good feeling of who they are, what they're getting into. It means while they're dealing with you, you deliver exactly what you say you deliver. And it means afterwards, they feel really comfortable sharing you with others because you've demonstrated exactly who you are and they know exactly who they're going to be sharing with their friends. You know, I hate to admit this, but this goes along with my transparency and authenticity and everything, that the credibility and the the delivering as promised was a struggle to me. And I know that could sound, ooh, I don't want to work with her, but let me explain. I had a huge battle with being a yes ma'am for years, for like six years in my business. And I would say yes to everybody, everything all the time and never consider the fact that I had 80 hours of work already scheduled for the next day. But I wanted to be a people pleaser. I just couldn't fully wrap my head around. There is only so much you can do, Kim. There's only so many hours in a day. You have your family. You need to sleep. I was trying to come up with a sleep schedule that didn't require me going to bed for eight hours. I thought that I could just schedule in 30-minute naps 
throughout the day and like one 30 minute nap every three hours and I would be fine. That's fascinating. You know, I think it doesn't work like that though. No, no. Well, maybe for a day or two or depending on how, how old you are, maybe for a week, but I think you really hit on a nice, you really hit on a nice head that the nail you hit on the head was simply that just saying yes to everybody is not making them happy. I mean, there's this immediate yes, but at the end of the day, when you look somebody in the eye and you shake their hand, whether or not you're on a Zoom or you're physically in person, you got to deliver what you say. If you can't be trusted to deliver what you say you're going to do, then your word is, doesn't mean anything. And I think if we, if we go back to the way the world was before the industrial age, we lived in a village. And in the village, you had your local proprietors, and they did exactly what they said they were going to do. Because if they didn't, what would happen is the village itself would either self-correct or ostracize. So uh, that, the story that visualizes this, so it's not theory, let's say you're, you're in the old village days, you have a party on Friday. And if assuming you're, you're not a vegetarian, you, you go to the butcher, you go, hey, Sam, I'm having a party on Friday. I got 10 people coming over. It's so important. I even have a cook coming in early. Could you have good quality steak delivered to us by two o'clock on Friday? Sam's going to smile. Sam's going to shake your hand. And Sam's going to just look at you and you look at them and you just know. Now, you didn't talk about price because the price is going to be less than you expected. You didn't talk about quality because the quality will be better than you expected. And you certainly didn't talk about delivery because you know Sam will deliver on time. See, what's interesting Mm. about that story is that's the way things were. Now, why is credibility important? As technology gets better, as we can absolutely know, like when I look at you today and I can determine when you make a promise to me whether or not you're going to deliver it or not, if that is something that's tracked alongside of you because of what technology brings, all of a sudden you're going to make a promise, but then I got the bullshit lie detector on. Hey, is that true or not true? Is that going to happen or not happen? Right? And and what's more important is that you deliver to your promise. And so as we move from the industrial age, which is this crazy place we are right now, to the global village, where we actually know when people deliver on their promises, all the things you talk about will become reality. Well, then what happens is how do we actually survive? How do we live? How do we thrive? It's when we deliver and live to our credibility. It's when we live to our integrity, our authenticity, our vulnerability. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And I love every bit of this. And especially since we're we're speaking to entrepreneurs here, my whole client roster right now is all referrals. And that's because I finally wrapped my head around my ability and my confidence to say no or mm-hmm. to up up the time expectation. Because even though I like to think that I'm super mom sometimes and super woman and super business owner, I don't have a time machine. Wouldn't it be awesome sometimes if we did have a DeLorean though? Oh my God, no kidding. But I I four times it and I'm delivering when I say I'm going to deliver and my clients are happy. So they have no reservation in recommending their friends. And the more you deliver on time of the quality, if, you know, I don't even want to say it like this. I always over deliver. 
Oh, you I should. take pride in that, but I need to be careful in over delivering because it can quickly eat up a lot of time that other clients also paid for. But they know what they can expect from me. They know that when they refer me, that their referrals will get it. And I'm not going to let them down because it will make them look bad if I don't give their their referrals the same. So I always have this reservation now. And, and I want all the listeners and you too, and I'm sure you already have this. Sometimes marketing concerns me because i'm i'm already taking such good care of the people that i have that i'm afraid about getting more because i want to make sure that i can keep my quality up you know yeah it's it's always an interesting thing as a business owner right and that is well how much money do you need or how many clients do you need just to survive how much do you need to thrive and when is that when do you hit the wall and I've actually, given what I've done in my life and in my undergrad and my, I sat on the board of a public company for 10 years. So I've always thought about when do I hit that wall? So I know when I hit the wall and I'm, I don't have a problem at the moment, because at, at some point in time, you have to spend money to make sure you don't hit the wall. And by the way, sometimes regardless of how good of a job you do, you're going to hit a wall. But if people have been with you, and you've time and time again have delivered on value, the sooner you can let people know. So for instance, I'm doing, I'm doing interviews, uh, same as you. And, and what's interesting is that people who sometimes cancel like a minute before, and then they give an excuse, oh, my spouse had already booked something for me. Well, that's great. But didn't you know that weeks ago or even days ago? Because she didn't or he didn't book something for you like a minute ago, right? So it's one of those things that piece that's credibility, the piece of when you, there's only so much time, but let me actually, let me go back to exactly what you said. Can I say though, before you go to that, I'm cracking up because I had one of those this morning. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's not just that they're traveling, but they're traveling out of the country and their, their time zone is 12 hours different now. Well, you can't tell me that you just hopped on a plane overnight. Right. Right. Exactly. I don't know. People seem People seem to be funny. As a matter of fact, by the way, I want to go back to the ability to say no, but, but before we do that, let me tell you one of the things I'm doing, which is just so much fun. I'm in the midst of a Napoleon Hill exercise where I'm actually interviewing 500 thought leaders on credibility. For those, if you want to see past interviews, it's at thoughtleaderlife.com and it's six to nine minute interviews. So it's the cool part is that when you see one of those interviews, you get to know the person just a little bit better. And the reason I the reason I started doing that, A, I wanted to define what credibility really meant. And uh, at the moment, we've done uh, so many, and we are quickly going to get to 500. So I wanted to be able to come up with that definition, come up with a book. I've got the credibility search engine, so that's fascinating. And I also wanted to give back when people actually talk to me for the first time, and the first time they've talked to me is after they've watched the TED Talk, that level of conversation is so much more beautiful. So anyway, that's thoughtleaderlife.com. So here's a story I was going to mention. I didn't realize when I first started the interviews is that I needed to keep track of when people actually come online, right? And so what's really shocking, are you ready? This is going to, this is going to shock you. Let's start with how many people come early. 8% of people come early. Early means 10 minutes or before. Okay. Right? So 8%. And typically, those are the wealthiest people who I have had on the air. Oh. 64% come on time. 
on time means between four minutes and nine minutes. So remember, I've got a scheduled interview and I'm going live on Facebook and then we, we share in a ton of other locations as well. Now, here's where it starts getting shocking. 24% come late, which is between three minutes and zero minutes. Remember, I'm scheduled a interview where we're going to go live and we're talking about your credibility. And here's the worst part. 5% come super late, which is after the half hour. Wow. So, Kim, so if you're an entrepreneur, listen to this. Just, I mean, when you hear this, there isn't anywhere that hears this that doesn't go, wow, but then it still happens. 5% of people come when they're scheduled to do a interview on their credibility and they come after the half hour and they think that's credible. Uh-huh. Right. So it's not just what you say in the world, it's what you do, which now it's circling back to the ability to say no. It's not the fact that you said you can do something, it's actually delivering on something that makes more sense. This is so fascinating to me because one of my overarching words for the year is consistency, which for me means showing up how I need to. But it never occurred to me the time as well. I mean, when I have a client call, I am there on time. I'm in the Zoom room, right? On time. And I have this whole system that I'm following right now to level up my personal and professional life. Mitchell, I don't know if you know that my husband is a video game designer and we are both gamers. Yes, I talk a lot about productivity and systems and all that a lot, but that's part of what I do for fun with my husband, with my kids. And I started thinking about what what it takes to level up your character in a game and mm. then looking at my real life, what do I need to do to level up my person in real life, right? Like what does next level Kim do that I'm not doing now? So I think you just gave me that next step, show up. And what, what was the, the most wealthy? It was like nine minutes, about 10 minutes early. 10 minutes early. Mm. Thank you. You just gave me my next my next level up challenge. So since at one point in time, the the name and a lot of the websites still call me the aha guy. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to say, aha. Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, Kim, let me, what happened is I think after about 40 or 50 interviews, I was on my first podcast talking about the credibility interviews. And I had one of those hosts that I, every now and then you, you've got this host who's going to plan a session ahead of time and walk through what is that most important thing to say. I do that when when you're on my show, we're going to spend 10 minutes just just running through the questions. I have five questions and I send you a four-minute video on how to prepare for your six to nine-minute video, even though I would say that only 65% prepare. So let me step back and say, I was on this show and the guy said, what is that theme? And as soon as I say it, you're going to say, oh my God, that's just what I said. It's exactly what you said. If I was going to come up with a theme of what I learned now from we're close to uh, halfway done in terms of the 500 interviews, what I would say in a very simple, simple term, show up when you show up. I love that. And then what happens is, what does that mean? So let me break it into three pieces. It's to come early, to be prepared, and to show up with your heart. Mm -hmm. And so the come early, you got that. We just talked about that. The be prepared. So I have to tell you, if you have a scheduled meeting, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a scheduled meeting with, how about this? You have a scheduled meeting with a prospect. If you've not spent at least five or 10 minutes Googling that prospect before you talk to them, you're being silly. 
uh, there are probably better words I could use, but completely we'll keep, agreed. We'll yeah. keep this family friendly, right? So mm-hmm. you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, there's so many people set up all these great meetings, and someone like you, someone like me, we put all of the stuff that's about us online, right? We put our our heart, our character, our soul into the podcasts that we do, the videos we do. I, I do a lot of videos as well, right? And so when somebody the first time they interact with me, if the first question out of their mouth is, so what do you do again? I kind of, I do a mental reset because clearly that's not somebody I I really want to do business with, to be honest, right? Because it's, it's one of those things. So then what I'll do is I'll figure out where they are in their life, how successful they've been in their life, and I'll make it a learning opportunity. And it's the learning opportunity is, you know, you know, if you really wanted to use me, if you were thinking of me as a mentor, you sort of missed that mark. What you really want to do is you could have done a lot of research ahead of time and asked specific questions, right? So being prepared. All I can hear is dun, dun, dun. Yeah. (laughs) I love it when I get guests on the show who, and listeners, I hope you never catch wind of the guests who do this. And just so you know, Mitchell was not one of them, but they come on. And who's your audience? Oh my goodness. Right. Wait a second. You are coming on my show and you don't even have an idea of who we're talking to. I would always make sure that, and and please, like whoever is listening, you one person or, because I'm talking to you, whoever's ears just perked. If you're going on stage, if you're going on a podcast, if you're going on a Facebook live, you got to know who you're talking to. Because your credibility, your authenticity, your integrity, your ability to impact them will be, dun, dun, dun. I can't think of a word, <laughs> so I'm just going to reuse that. If you don't know, has anybody asked you on the credibility series? So what are we doing here? Oh my goodness. Well, so. <laughs> oh, please tell me no. I have a feeling you're going to tell me yes, though. Oh man, I, it's really so. Sorry, I'm laughing so much because I have so many stories I don't even know where to start. It's really interesting, right? So first, let's step back. When somebody makes a goal, that somebody being me, that I'm going to do 500 interviews. When I did my first or second, I was so disappointed when something went wrong, right? I'm like, wait a second, how am I going to get through 500 if people are scheduling and rescheduling and not booking? And I'm like, well, wait a second. My goal isn't necessarily to hit 500, it's to enjoy the journey. And enjoying the journey, it's what am I going to pick up along the way, mm-hmm. right? What am I going to learn? What am I going to grow? So we actually had people, when I do the 10 minutes up front now, what their show is going to be like, what we're going to talk about, at the end of the 10 minutes, they go, Mitchell, I'm not ready. Can I reschedule? And we've had, of those, only 50% rescheduled because mm-hmm. they weren't ready. Now, I also have, here's what's interesting. When I invite people to go on the show, one of the most immediate responses, well, who's your audience? Like, really? So, because when I invite on the show, I say, here's a four minute video on how to prepare. This will help you understand the questions I'm going to ask. And here is a website where you can actually see past interviewees and people we've done in past shows. And if you can see that, it's got the answers to all the questions, right? And then might send somebody an email or I might send somebody a a LinkedIn message and I say, okay, hey, please take a look at past shows, take a look at the four minutes on how to prepare and use this link to sign up. Because if we don't automate, 
it'll drive me nuts, right? So we, it's a calendar link and I let people sign up directly. And then I have automated emails that, that then follow through to remind them that they're going to go on the show. And then at the bottom of the email or, or LinkedIn, oh, I'm interested. Give me a call. Like, well, I didn't say I'm going to call you or get back to me in two weeks. Wait, it's a calendar system. So you can actually book. As a matter of fact, you can't book in two weeks. You've got to book it a couple months out, right? So I have all of those funny questions. And once again, I'm, I'm not questioning somebody's integrity. I just think they haven't been, we just haven't taught, we, we've not taught entrepreneurs how to, be more, how to be successful and how to do things in life. And so when I get silly questions like that, I hopefully after spending a little bit of time, they get put on track. And if not, then they wouldn't be a good guest anyhow. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. You're actually making me think about conversations with my my young children. I have three who are six and younger. And one of them, like all three of those, all three of the littles can be in the same room. And one asks us, what's for dinner tonight? And they get the answer. And no joke, 90 seconds later, another one will ask because they're just not paying attention. They're not paying attention or they weren't ready for the answer. Mm Mm-hmm. But imagine if we all followed the same approaches. Imagine if we all used a calendar system like Calendarly, right? Why imagine aren't if we? we all used Zoom. Right. Imagine if we all had what was common. So at some point in time, it was not common to use a fax machine. At one point in time, it was not common to have a website or a podcast or a blog post. At one point in time, it is not it is not common. And this is thinking about the future. At one point in time, it's not common to know about the person you're interacting with before you do. So imagine, Kim, let's, let's look at a, a vision of the future that when I can't remember if, I think it was the person who books me on interviews reached out to you, but imagine if when they reached out, you would have a score over the head. If you looked at my name, oh, how did Mitchell do on other podcasts that are uh-huh. similar to mine? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, does Mitchell have a network that I could either get other guests on or might actually be a nice referral for me mm-hmm. for business that I do? Oh, maybe I should spend and set up time either before or after the interview to see whether or not it would make sense to explore synergy with Mitchell, right? And imagine if you set up the criteria that said, yep, I want to I have people who hit a certain score. What if we automatically set up that calendar appointment and we, we were never act- actively involved? That's the world we're moving towards. Right. So as an entrepreneur, if you know those things are happening, why don't you do that today? Oh my gosh. I have two funny 
sort of examples. One of them is not. Well, I guess it does give them credibility. I have on my website, I have a work with Kim page, and this is specifically actually for hiring team members for the future. For anybody, Mm. I mean, as of today, I am not hiring, but I always keep the page up because who knows where the next awesome team member is going to come from, right? I love that. Yep. Agreed. So at the top, I have who this is for and who this, I have actually a hello paragraph and a goodbye paragraph. And the hello lets them know, you know, I'm willing, or I'd love to work with you if, and I give a detailed description and the goodbye is, we are not meant to work together if, and I give a description over there. And I say, if you do not pay attention to detail, we will not be a good fit together, which is embarrassing because in full disclosure, everybody, I forgot to give Mitchell the Zoom link until five minutes before our call today. Well, I didn't see it till like a minute before the call because I didn't expect it. Right. So my computer crashed at the end of 2019 and I was already having enough fun with the other. I'm not going to name their name because I don't want to tarnish their reputation at all, but it just wasn't working for podcast recording. And I forgot, you know, I, I switched my scheduling system over to now do through Zoom, but I forgot that some of the old ones were still recording or saying that they were recording. Wait, you're calling the other me an system. old one? What are you doing now? No, for? not you. The old, oh, okay. the old. Hey, I got to use that for myself too then. You know, yes. Okay. I'm just going to let that one go. Uh, So I said, you know, pay attention to detail and you, and I'll know that you didn't pay attention to detail if you don't know that my favorite snack of the moment is, and I list it right there at the end of the paragraph. Oh, that's funny. And then I have a application that they have to fill out. And the last question of the application is, what is Kim's favorite snack at the moment? Oh my God, well, how was, cool was that? It was right there on the page. And I, you would not believe some of the crazy responses that I've gotten. I even had one person say, this information is not retrievable from my short-term memory file. Oh, that's funny. Hello. You know? No, no, I like that one though. I yeah. Mean, as far well, as it, answers I, I was that's, laughing. That's an interesting one, right? Yeah. I was laughing. They admittedly got instantly deleted because- Come on, there's Google, but you can also just scroll up. So that was story number one. And then story number two, I am not throwing anybody under the bus here. Honestly, I can't remember the name of the business and I wouldn't say it even if I did, but it was something related to happiness or purpose or fulfillment or something like that. So this person submitted through my website to be a guest on the podcast and filled out the application. And when they come in cold, which is not how you came in. Like you came in through an introduction and I have a great, I have great relationships with a lot of the booking agencies and they know who I'm looking for. But when people come in cold through my site, then generally I have one day a month when my team and I will review those applications and, and approve people. And then they go into our automation. Well, Mitchell, I was explaining to you how I've cut back from two episodes to one episode a week. So right now my episodes are pushed out pretty good ways. You know, if they if somebody were to book the recording right now, they're not going to record for a year. But this person didn't like that and gave me so much attitude and then proceeded to schedule. I was like, wait a second. This is a positive productivity podcast. Right, right. And it, and, and you're talking about happiness. And, and your somehow business, we don't have it. 
Yes, and your business is about happiness or purpose or fulfillment or something like that. Again, I don't know. I don't remember. I had to let that one. Oh no, it's relevant. Oh. I would. I would never ask. Uh, right. Well, maybe, maybe quietly between two of yeah. us. Certainly not when we're recording. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Well, it goes back. Kim, it goes back to the first thing you said. You're not just who you say you are. It's who you demonstrate you are. And you demonstrate mm-hmm. who you are through your actions. Yeah. And then if I can just share, like on my scheduling page, I have two options for podcasters listening on this one. I have the free, you know, first available for free schedule there. That's when they're going to schedule in a year. I'm not charging them. But I understand that, you know, when I am getting ready to launch my book or when I'm getting ready to launch a course, I have options. I can pay for paid ads on social media. I can go on podcasts. You know, I can go on radio shows. I can actively promote. And if I'm going to be paying for cold ads, you know, on social media, I might as well, if it were an option for me, I might as well pay to go onto a podcast where I know I'm speaking to my ideal client, right? That's one way to monetize. So I give them the option that if they're doing a launch, they can pay. And this person just took off. I'm like, wait a second. It's an option. I didn't say you have to pay to get on my show. It's right there, free. Yeah, people are funny. Hey, speaking of which, we've had a good conversation so far. Can I tell you who my audience is? Yes. And please tell everybody what you do too. Like, I want to know what you do. We've I know we didn't we we didn't cover that because you started by saying I didn't know how to say no. And we've we just sort of went off on credibility and what that was. So, and I love that. So here's, by the way, here's what I think everyone should be able to do. You should be able to describe the problem you solve for your clients. I call it a CPOP, a customer point of pain. So what is it that you do? What is the problem your clients have? Like, why should somebody want to pay attention to you? What are your prospects, right? By the way, it makes it easy for people to recommend you as well, right? So for mine, it's busy, successful professionals, and you can say professionals are entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, small and large companies. So busy, professional, uh, successful professionals who are looking for more credibility. They want it with a book, but they have no time, right? And so, so that's the audience I serve is, hey, you want credibility with a book, but I just, you know, I just don't have the time to do it. Let me give you my answer. What we do is through an interview, we then ghostwrite publish, distribute, make you an Amazon best-selling author. We do that in four months and your time spent is 10 hours or less. Mm. So we literally press the easy button on you having an Amazon best-selling book. I love it. I have a confession. When you said C-pop, I was just sharing with a friend last week that in high school, I was working at a record store when the Hanson brothers released "Mm Bop. I know, complete de- uh, deviation, but it, when you said C-pop, all of a sudden I put it to music and I was thinking C-pop, do, 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 do. Do you remember that song from like the late 90s? I do. Yes. I can just imagine a little jingle though that goes along with the C-pop now. Oh, oh well, no, you're going to make me th- now think about this all day long. Uh-huh. So. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to create, you know, I've got, I've got these buttons. I've got the easy button in my office. I've uh-huh. got a dollar button. That's like a cash register. I want to create a, either an aha button, or maybe you should create a, a C pop button or even better. I think that game that goes dun, 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 like, yeah. like you game lost game over. Yep. 
that should be a button we hand out to people. Although I kind of lean towards the positive reinforcement versus the negative. So I think I'd rather do the, the aha button is a better one for me. Oh, I think that would be a great button for you. Oh, darn it though, Mitchell. Seriously, now I'm thinking about the C-pop jingle. I know, silly me. Well, I think of it in a different way. So you can think about the jingle and maybe I should, I'll take a look to see if I can find the jingle and put it associated with it. Let me tell you something that's really fascinating. We, now fascinating in a negative way. (laughs) We have been taught as entrepreneurs to say our value proposition. Like you go to a networking event Mm -hmm. and people, and you sort of, at some point in time, you get that, that horrible question, what do you do, right? And people then go and I do blah, 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 or we do this, this, and this other thing. And the thing that's fascinating is when you're talking to somebody else, it's not what you do. They don't really care about that. They care about what you do for them that might be interesting, right? So it's not the what you do for yourself right? It's what you do. It's it's yeah. sort of what you do for others. So when you're thinking about the CPOP is what is that? What is that pain point that's being solved? And in mine, for instance, I'll go back. What did I talk about? Busy, successful, credibility, book, time, lack of time, right? So if any one of those things are relevant, the thing that I always think about when I talk about the, the CPOP, when I talk about the customer point of pain is what could I say in such a short period of time that the spouse of the person who's my prospect goes, hey, honey, you need to talk to Mitchell. He can press the easy button on writing a book, right? And that's what, what's really interesting is you want people to talk about you, right? When I think about you, I think about, oh, Kim's someone who can automate and put production into my system. Right. So if I'm running around like chaos, I don't have procedures and tools and practices. Talk to Kim Sutton because she will automate you. Right. And it's it's just you got to be able to clearly articulate to allow other people to be able to share who you are. I love that you brought up the spouses because I've been joking and some people think it's inappropriate that I help my clients get away from their businesses and back into bed. And then I always had to put that disclaimer in. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sleep. But my <laughs> husband, the first time he heard me say it, his eyebrow raises. And I'm like, look, we've already got five kids, you know, <laughs> but seriously, if we just had the stuff automated, that's what it is. But I want to go to what you were saying though. Like last year or two years ago, maybe, I don't know. Time flies when you're having fun, right? No, oh, no kidding. I looked at my LinkedIn profile and I was totally talking about myself. Mm-hmm. I was treating it like a resume. I wasn't talking about how what I do for clients and their point of pain, you know, and the transformation that they'll see. It was Love all it. about here's my resume, here's the certifications I've got. And a lot of the lingo was just lost. I mean, a lot of people don't even know what marketing automation is or business automation. Right. But here's what here's how it will help. Yeah. So how did you get into this? I like it. Well, this is a very interesting question. So I was someone who just automatically jumped into the workforce and started working for for companies. I was in Boston for a little bit. So I I got an undergraduate. Can I, I'm going to give the title of my undergraduate degree, which it's always fun to say. It's a Bachelor of Science in Stochastic and Deterministic Models of Operational Research. Now, why do I say that? It turns out that 
I'm one of those people who have used my undergraduate degree my entire life, and I didn't realize that really full force until I started doing the survey because everything I did in the survey just came natural. It was absolutely beautiful. Then I got ended up with an MBA, and and ultimately for the last 35 years I've been in Silicon Valley, and it's been fun to see the world. And how the world has changed based on what technology has brought into play. And there's so many beautiful stories I can, I can share in so many different areas. And what I'll say is the last time I actually worked for somebody else was 1997. Mm. And at the time, I was running the e-commerce component of some microsystem supply chain. And as an entrepreneur, I basically just went to places where there was a problem and typically what I would do is I go to a place where I, when I saw that there was a, a major transition happening in the world, right? So that first transition was the dot-com days. You know, in 1997, it was so crazy what was happening. And Esther Dyson called me Mr. E-commerce. I was the guy going around helping CEOs and VP of operations recognize we're, we're going to talk directly to clients and that this really convoluted supply chain we have in place is going to be completely transformed and we're going to make it make it optimized and so much easier. And being Mr. E-commerce was really cool during the dot-com days and was really yucky when the dot-bomb happened. Yep. And that was a beautiful lesson learned for me. So at the time, I was making, God, it was like $5,000 a day consulting. It was $7,500 keynotes and literally it went to zero overnight. I mean, literally. And it was really interesting. That was a beautiful lesson. And, and here's a lesson. One is it wasn't me. I didn't do anything different to make the business go away. Right. And, right. and if, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you just can't take your failures personally. Otherwise, you'll never learn. You'll never grow. And second is it was really good to have other revenue streams. So at the time, I had this really tiny company. It was a, a CEO networking company like a Vistage, but we only had four groups. I was making $40,000 a year. It was so small at the time compared to dot-com money that was actually going to throw it away. And then all of a sudden, when the rest of my e-commerce business went to zero, $40,000 a year looked like a lot of money. Absolutely. This is really cool. And so... Lesson number two is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, I'm running sound because I am getting out of the one basket failure. But I love how you said don't take your failures personally because at first I did. I was kicking my butt big time. But then I realized there is so much content that can be shared off of this. It's not a failure. It's a huge learning experience. Yeah. And there's other entrepreneurs who don't have to go through this boom, 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 because I'll yeah. share with them how to avoid it because I've already done the, <laughs> I've already gone through the poop for them. And, and it'll work for some, for some and others, you may, it may not hit the right, you know, you, you may not hit them like your kids. Mm-hmm. You may share it, but they weren't ready to receive it. Mm. Oh yeah. Right. And so, so how do I get into that? So continuing on this story. So I, the dot-com days happened. And then what I realized is the democratization of book publishing. So in 2005, I started a book publishing company. And between 2005 and 2017, we published over 800 books. So we were reasonably successful. And what I'll say is I was serving the wrong audience. 
And that's, that's me and talking about my vulnerability. I just, I didn't hit all the goals I wanted to as a publisher because I, I wanted to be involved while the world was changing and I wanted to actually do something significant. But because I was so focused on the wrong customer, by the way, the wrong customer is the person who wants to write their own books. It's just the wrong customer for me because who I work with now are the people who want to use their book to drive more business. And so they care a little bit less about making sure every T is is crossed and every I is dotted, like because it's okay to have bloopers in your book. It's okay to show that you have personality. It's okay to get a book that demonstrates your customer point of pain out in the marketplace in four months and use that book to drive more business. What's not okay is taking years to write your book. What's not okay is taking time away from your business. And what do you do for a business? You're, to grow your business, you need to do one of four things, right? You need to empower your team, something you focus on. You need to prospect for new business. You need to satisfy existing customers. You need to build product for tomorrow. So physically sitting down and writing a book doesn't fall into any of those four categories. Therefore, it's a hobby. And so now that I'm focusing on the people who are using the book to drive a new business, to be able to pick up new clients, to be able to demonstrate their credibility, do do new things, it's a whole lot more fun. You do realize that you're talking to the person who, since day one of her podcast almost four years ago, has been talking about the book, which has yet to get written. Uh, No, I did not know that yet. Because I didn't see, I didn't see, I listened to a couple of your episodes, but you didn't mention that yet. Chronic Idea Disorder, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Overcoming Idea Overwhelm. Ah. So it's finally getting getting written. However, it's exactly those four challenges like you were just talking about. At this point, it's not driving leads to the business because it's not yet published. It's not delivering the deliverables to the clients. It's not building products for the future. I mean, yes, you could say that writing my book is putting together a product, but it's different. And I forgot what the very first one was, but it's not doing that either. The the last one is when you grow big enough, it's empowering your team. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. I know it's really hard because we as humans have been taught when we're born that we're going to create a story and write about it. And then someone like Oprah is going to come by and turn it into a major motion picture, and then we'll be rich and famous. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't really happen in real life anymore because this thing called the internet right. has democratized audio and video. And as a result, anyone who wants to create, just take a look at all the new content that's coming out on all the streaming channels. Anyone who's a streaming channel like a Hulu or a Netflix, we, we don't have three TV stations anymore. We have a plethora, and what you're seeing at the moment are just the bigger brands, but every consumer or every entrepreneur that wants to can create their own channel and stream that on Roku and a ton of other locations, Uh and all of a sudden, life is different, right? So what's your goal? Your goal as an entrepreneur is to serve your audience. What is the quickest and most efficient way for you to be known, liked, and trusted among your audience? And maybe there may be ways you can do it while you're writing, particularly someone like you who's got a podcast and you're doing it ongoing. But I'm also happy to talk to you and help you move it along if you, if you want some help that way. 
Well, if I can just share, and I know, like, I'm sure this is exceptionally helpful for your clients too. What I had to get over and why I'm finally able to make progress now is that I was concerned about the voice I was writing in. I thought I needed to write in a voice other than my own. And when I finally figured out that it's okay and expected and that it's doing my due diligence to write in my voice, and I want to say you can you can work with a ghostwriter and still write in your voice. Oh. But yeah. I realized that I was trying to write the book that I thought my readers expected rather than writing it in my voice. And when I got over that hump, the words started flowing. Oh, nice. Yeah. It never even occurred to me actually until I just said it that a ghostwriter can so write in my voice. Oh, well, that's what, so that's what we do. Just mm-hmm. so, so first of all, to summarize, I'm going to say what your book needs to be is your point of view and how you solve a problem. So if somebody actually reads your book, and unfortunately, we just don't read books enough today, but when somebody reads your book, they're like, oh yeah, that's what it would feel like to work with mm-hmm. Kim Sutton. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like to work with. And, you, and, and I can rattle off any of my clients. That's what we do. So I have two superpowers. Okay. One is pulling out the genius from somebody's head into his building systems. Mm. And I, and by the way, that doesn't mean I can't outsource to other people to help build systems for me. To me, the systems I build are helping my customers. I try to take the entire customer journey and automate it in such a way so that my team can actively supply the best value for our, for our clients. That's what I mean by building systems. And so on pulling the genius, what happens if, if I'm helping somebody with a book the most important thing, I start with the CPOP. What is your customer port of pain you solve? And think of that as the project plan for your book. Once I have that, then we typically do, as, as far as the ghosting is concerned, I do a three-hour interview. I pull your genius, right? It's three hours where you get to talk about you and who you are and what you do and how you solve your clients. And I transport myself to be in the mind of your prospect. And what then comes out is I, I've created a writing school. We've graduated 50 people from the writing school. They've been trained to listen to the conversation and pull out your nuggets, to pull out that, those pieces of information that, that truly represent how you touch the world. So it's your voice. It's just somebody else has pulled that out from the conversation we've had and be able to create something that's just easily digestible by those people you want to read your book. And so the answer is, yeah, if somebody's ghosting your book, there are many different ways to ghostwrite, but you still, at the end of the day, it has to be your point of view because that's one more way that people get to know you. Yeah. I don't want it to feel like it's my evil twin when somebody gets in touch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love this. Mitchell, where can people go to find out more about this? You know, there's so many different websites like many of us have, but I have one that I'd like to direct people to. It's MitchellLevy360.com. So it's just my name, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-L-E-V-Y, 360.com. And what you'll see is a customer, you know, a one and a half minute customer testimonial video. So how have we touched other customers? You can get to websites like ahathat.com, which is the primary publishing vehicle, thinkaha.com. You can uh, see, for those interested in Thought Leader Life, you could actually see that. And probably most importantly, if this is of interest to you, if this is something that you go, man, I, I, I want 
Mitchell, I want to at least have a conversation to see if it makes sense to have his team write a book for us. You can actually book, book time directly on my calendar. And so that's MitchellLevy360.com. Amazing listeners, those links, all of them. And this is especially for you if you are driving, trying not to burn dinner, don't want to fall off the elliptical. All the links will be on the show notes page, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP673. You've given me a lot to think about. Oh, a lot to think about. Thank you. Oh, always my pleasure to have a conversation that makes that A, I can think about and what goes next. And by the way, you have as well in terms of articulating where, where I'm going and things I'm doing. And to be able to share something that allows somebody to have even a slightly better future. I'm already thinking about clients who I need to send to you because they keep on telling me, and this is where chronic idea disorder comes in as well. I'm going to write a book this year. And then they come up with 18 other ideas. And I've had to cross this hump myself. No, just focus on getting this one done today. But if they could put the book into your hands while they're focusing on one other project, I can't imagine what their year would be like instead of being a big frustrating mess. So thank you for being out there and making your services available to the thought leaders who need you. Oh, you are so welcome. Uh, Thank you. This has been fun, exciting. I've really enjoyed it. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with listeners? You know, I'm going to go back to part of our conversation. Just remember that when you show up, when you show up, and that means for everything you do, come early Be prepared and come with your heart. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 